Welcome to Team Rotol Edition 214, Lightstar Creations. Coming in hot from Sedona, join the team as we get to know Lightstar, a channeler of galactic beings from afar. She comes in peace. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for that. It's great to be on here. I really appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, by the way, I absolutely love that music that was just playing. It warmed my heart. So I have had some African past lives and I just absolutely loved that. So it made me very happy. So thank you. It's great to be here. Definitely. We enjoy having you here. So something we do at the beginning of these episodes is correlate the number and reduce it. So 214 goes to seven, which is the chariot card. Uh, which is the Cancer card. You have a Cancer moon, although you're in Aquarius. And I was just looking at your chart, which we'll get into in a minute. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me you enjoyed that song because it was kind of weird in an, in an Aquarian way. So yeah, I can tell you probably dug it. Uh, anyway, the Chariot card is, I am confident that with discipline, I will succeed. The Chariot is about taking charge of your own destiny, seizing the moment, letting the momentum carry you forward, finishing what you set into motion. Don't hesitate. You can do this. Raphael, what card do you have? We have the Angel of Longevity, number 28, belonging to the Dominions. This angel is used against the paralysis and the thunder. It protects against fire, the ruins of buildings, falls and diseases. It has powers on health and longevity. A person born under its influence and the one that it will invoke Okay, so I'm pretty sure because I'm reading out of Brian Laura's manual right here. This is a one that is not finished or something because the sentence is not making sense. Yeah. yeah, but anyways, it is the Dies Sublatum Malorum, meaning the God has taken away the bad. As I said, belonging to the Dominions and the Terror Association. Once again, is the Five of Wands with the affirmation. I use my creativity and flexibility to achieve the ultimate victory. The victory which comes from a win-win situation and the angel qualities are foresight happy longevity miraculous healing providential protection and great call so i'm curious let's start between the chariot card and that angel what if anything resonated well i just absolutely love that thank you first of all i will say thank you it said seven the number seven and that is actually a new numerology in my actual name i have a lot of sevens in my name so there's a lot of i think my uh whole name ends up to be a seven and you know i have a couple of them in my soul aspect and so seven is a very great number so the chariot i believe resonates with me on that and um moving forward, right? <laughs> Fits the chariot, so moving forward. And uh, yeah, the angel of longevity is really cool. I'm all about creativity because that's basically what I came here to do. So that absolutely um, foresight, you know, Aquarians were always looking forward and in the future. And uh, I think you had said something about calm, which is actually one of my it's one of the things that I brought here or to help people with is to bring that sense of calm and uh and healing so i think all of that resonated thank you for that that was awesome 
it even says, I mean, there's many more words, won't read all of them, but there's also the human, the, let's say, um, negative distortions, of course, but in terms of the positive qualities, it even says premonition grants wisdom through the examination of past experience. And one term I like, especially here, it says celestial insurance. <laughs> That's great. It's funny because you interesting term. Yeah, celestial insurance. Uh, it's funny because you've always struck me as um, very uh, high-minded. I mean, all this Aquarian energy in your chart, you've got Venus, Mercury, conjunct Sun, and fifth house Aquarius. Uh, actually, Mercury and retrograde conjunct your Venus right now. But um, so you've got this kind of like very kind of like stoic energy in a way but but the cancer moon i've always felt like you you're it's like a nurse that cares it's like i'm gonna give you your shot and this isn't gonna hurt but this is what it's doing and like while we're getting our shot you're kind of walking us through so we don't really notice the pain or whatever oh that's funny that's an interesting way of putting it i will say that i feel like i've always been seen in my life as um what the Aquarian term is aloof. I don't know if you, you know, you've heard that term of like Aquarian aloofness. And I do feel that, that it's not that I don't care, but yes, I'm probably a, li- a bit, l- I'm a less, uh, less of the emo- emotional roller coaster ride kind of person. That's just how I've been. It's how actually my parents were like that as well. So I had that growing up. So I always have that kind of um, it's not stoic or aloof even really, but it is just more balanced in that way. Uh, I believe that's the best way I can put it, but yet I definitely care very deeply. So yeah, I got both sides there. <laughs> that's what's up. So just, uh, so we're all on the same page. Um, a few people from Sedona that you might know, Isabella Green, she's been on the podcast, Alexander Mazzone, he's been on a few times. Um, yes, yes. So th- I, I became aware of like Rion um, and Alexander's stuff a few years ago, probably four or five years ago. And I mean, I was eating acid once a week and kind of watching it being like, this is interesting, but I don't know if I believe it, but I'll watch kind of vibes. <laughs> like, this is not just entertaining, but it's like, it's intriguing, but it's not a flavor that I'm used to. So I was not apprehensive, but just kind of like sussing it out, as they say in Australia. And um, kind of just checking it out. And that turned eventually over the years, I think in about 2017 when Jupiter entered Sagittarius, I kind of came to this point, I might have even been on LSD, um, and I was just like, you know what, I don't know if star seeds are just a projection of our consciousness uh, forward, like, you know, the knights and the queens and um, stuff like that are in Tarot, uh, of a feudal kind of system, if, if the galactic energy was just the next archetype to punctuate in our psyches at this point. That's kind of how I was assessing it, but I was like, I'll give it a whirl, I'll go check out some starseed activations, like as soon as Jupiter entered Sagittarius, so it was about 2017, 2018. And I turned, uh, I mean, I typed it in YouTube, and your channel came up, and I proceeded to go through all the activations that I saw. And so, you know, I was like, oh, Arcturians, and, you know, certain things really resonate. And then, oh, these things don't, I don't want to listen to that as much. It's not bad, but it's just like, I don't feel that as much. In a weird way, I think we're all everything in some holographic way. But, um, so that's one level of when I turned on to you. So I appreciate for that. And then a few years later, uh, last it's 2021 now, but at the beginning, let's say April, 2020, um, I had met my now fiance and we were starting to have Kundalini activations and weird stuff. And she's like, go to these psychics, uh, who, uh, I think you might know them. I think they lived in Sedona at a point or know people out there. It's you guru is their channel. 
and they were like, uh, oh, you've got these connections and all this jazz. If you want to know more about this, go check out Lightstar's channel. So they recommended you, but I had already seen you. So I was kind of like, ah, confirmation. Like, okay, interesting. So that's kind of my awareness of you. Um, it's not like I'm watching every video you drop, but I've definitely been paying attention to what you've been doing. Uh, and not only did it like, because Raphael, my friend here, um, he, <laughs> he's more uh, into galactic ideas. Like, you know, he, he's been using the um, Lisa Royal Holtz galactic heritage cards before uh, the angel deck. And he turned me on to Bashar, uh, stuff like that. Like he's more on that level. So it's not, a, he's got a Northland Aquarius. He was always kind of on that wave. Um, but I've kind of been more apprehensive and kind of talking out things and our talking out things turned into this podcast eventually. So um, that's kind of my awareness of you. Like you came in in a weird way, but in a very serendipitous way, in a very kind of, um, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher pops or whatever. That's how it kind of felt. So I was like, all right, I'm willing to do this. And then I found you. So, um, just for the record. So you can be as long-winded or as short-winded as you want to be, but I'm kind of curious where you grew up, what kind of culture you were dealing with, uh, when you started kind of tapping into your gifts. Obviously, we'll get to where you are now eventually, but I'm kind of curious how the embryonic phases went in your reality. Yeah, thanks. Uh, first of all, I want to say that people always come my way in a, in a weird sort of synchronistic way. So that doesn't surprise me. I have people that say like, your video popped up on my phone and I didn't even know who you were. And something you said was just right what I was needing or, or led in that direction. And so I guess that's just what happens when you put your stuff out there and, you know, with light and people just come when they are meant to come. So thank you for that. But um, yeah, when I, I guess I would say for me, I've always been spiritually oriented. And from when I was a child, I mean, ever since I can remember. And so spirituality, that part of it always interested me. And yet not really the starseed type of stuff for me until way later, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But when I was younger, I was very, um, I'll say this, I was very open and empathic and felt everything. So feeling everything, but yet not knowing how to deal with that, how to, you know, how to work with that. Cause I didn't necessarily know what was going on or what I was feeling. And, um, I had a very, very open-minded mother and father though, cause they were very spiritually oriented themselves, but we weren't really at the point of really talking about it too much. Um, I did with my mom more so, uh, but I do remember sometimes when I was very young and I went to, uh, uh, it was like a guru she was going to at the time. I don't know. I was just going with her um, cause I was only about nine years old and I went with her and I just remember seeing this color around, he was chanting and I remembered the chant even to this day. It was the weirdest thing, but I remember the chant he did. And I saw this huge blue color coming around him and I kept it to myself, but I walked out into the parking lot afterwards and I said to my mom, it was blue. And she's like, what was blue? And I said, His, the color around him was blue. And that was the kind of first time that I was, didn't really know what I was seeing, but, uh, so that those kinds of things started to open up very young. But what happened with me is that I got a little freaked out or didn't know, or didn't have anyone to go really go, even though my mom was open to it, she didn't really know what to do with it either. And so we really just shut it down again. And so that kind of shut off some of the intuitive and psychic abilities or things that were already there 
but that I didn't know how to utilize or how to interpret it or how to understand it. And so I just kind of dialed it down because I found that the more open I became, the more difficult it became. And so I just turned the dial off pretty much. Your Chiron, is about... in, uh, <laughs> your Chiron, which is like the Wounded Healer, is in 6th house Pisces, so Virgo flavored, but Pisces, your wound is like basically practical health with mysticism and like the, like what you're talking about. Basically, you kind of got downloaded, but you didn't have the practical wherewithal to know how to grok to what to do, so kind of, like you're saying, it shut you down. So it's not terribly surprising. Not saying it's in your chart, it had to be, but it's like, oh yeah, there that is. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm like, oh yeah, no, this not seems like all. a very practical spiritual crisis, and you just did the most reasonable thing that you could <laughs> yeah i really yeah i appreciate that just pointing it out because it is um i the funny thing is is that i came into a spiritual awake family but yet very practical family everybody's really practical but and i am too i call myself that a lot i have a lot of practicality in me and that's what i'm doing now is bringing all that stuff down into practicality but at the time when you're young it's like Still, there's really no, very few people I find on this planet. I get a chance to have a, you know, starseed mom and dad that are just really awakened when they're younger. And then they just teach their children, you know, all of that as they're young. So they grow up not, you know, having the problems that most of us do have. I think it's happening more and more now because as people awaken and then they have children that that's changing, but it, it just wasn't something you really talked about or understood or how to, or even how to master any of it. So I think it's, you know, kind of the, the lonely path of the empath, which most people I find can really resonate with that story because it's kind of the story that most of us had to travel upon. Um, I mean, I did have some uh, accidents and things like that, that sort of topsy turvy my life into a, you know, a little hairball, which I think a lot of people have. Uh, some traumatic stuff that happens that kind of reactivates you to search on your path again and reconnect you. Um, and that's kind of, you know, did what happened. That's what happened. But as I got older, I think the thing that really surprised me is now when I look back on it is around that same time period from anywhere from like nine to 11 in there is when I started to speak uh, light language and I didn't know what it was, but it was starting to come out and you know, I just kind of went, okay, I don't know what this is, but you know, whatever. And then I shut it down again. So it didn't come up till much later in life where I started opening up to many, many other languages. So, you know, all these things, we just feel like we just don't have the direction, uh, perhaps when we're younger or from our parents or from our mentors that we look up to and they don't know what to do with it. So, you know, I feel like, well, did I waste like for 30, 40 years of my life? You know, I don't think it's a waste, but it definitely never feels play like that I'm game. Like a... Although it's yeah, easy yeah. to do. Where it's like, shit, all that spilled milk. Uh, what the hell? I mean, everybody, yeah, everybody, you can look, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, you should not supposed to look back and say that. And you were where you're supposed to be. And now I even understand more about why I wasn't awakened to the starseed uh, content until later in life. And now I know that there was a reason for that. And I was actually um, being, uh, I want to say, hidden in a way for a very good reason. And there's even to this day, there's time, there's things I can't talk about. Well, I guess that that's one thing I can't go into certain areas where it's like um, my life is a little bit of like galactic security around me. So there's certain 
things that they will like block me and things like that, that will come up, it will happen. But it was, it's because there's a part of me that's supposed to not really talk about, uh, areas that I don't even know. Okay. So it's not even like I know, but I'm keeping it a secret and there's, there's things I know about it, but I don't even know the extent of all of it, but they have to put this kind of security around me so that I don't, um, it's like, I used to have this feeling that I was getting erased and everything I did was getting erased. <laughs> I was like, why is this happening? And then I understood that, uh, there's some of my high level guides and I have some guardians that are specifically, you know, don't want me to put certain things out there and they will kind of erase it. So in that way, it's been a little bit, those things have been a little challenging, but I've opened up to the uh, extent where I said, well, I need to be able to work on this planet. So I'm going to be able to put out what I need to put out. It's like redacted mm -hmm. papers. It's like, I'll yeah, put it out there, but there's blanks missing. It's funny. I'm looking at your chart, uh, as I will tend to do. Uh, your Mercury and Sun are conjunct in fifth house, uh, which is like Leo-flavored um, Aquarius. So that kind of balances itself out because on the Zodiac itself, like Leo and Aquarius are on the opposite sides. But your Jupiter, which is your luck, is in Leo, 11th house, Aquarius-flavored. Like This kind of explains that to a point, if you want to say that, where it's like you – want to communicate what you're seeing and feeling at your heart level. It's real. You're getting real galactic knowledge. That's not a joke. Like, don't doubt that. But at the same time, um, you're limited in, to the, in terms of the expansion um, and the uh, openness that you can do with that. It's almost like um, like redaction. I mean, that's the best way to put it, where it's like, yeah, you can go this way, but not. it's not – you don't have a full pass. Or if you do have a full pass, you're not supposed to talk about what you've seen, that kind of stuff. So it's not terribly surprising. Yeah, that's that's what I get from it when I ask and tune in, you know, for a while I had to just say, okay, well, can't just put more guardians around me so I could actually do that? And they said no, because there's reasons why you're not allowed to divulge that specific information. So I just kind of go with what I'm guided to do. And then if I start seeing myself being erased or redacted stuff, then I have to go, okay. I crossed yeah, the line. Yeah, went in, yeah, crossed the line, went into territory that, you know, so I know better now and it doesn't happen so much anymore because I kind of like have a better idea. But in the beginning, when I started to put, it's really when I started to put all this stuff out there about 10 years ago is when that really started happening. And it was just when I stepped out of the gate, like, okay, you know, because don't really know your, you know, what you're putting out there yet you know, until you put it out there and then started to see it all being like erased, 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 redact, redact, redact. So I feel like that's, um, that's one area that I still don't completely understand what's going on there. But I do know that as I grew, as I started to get into spirituality, as I was younger, I just think it was building a foundation for me and um, to eventually go into this kind of work. Because for my whole uh, youth when I was working, you know, right out of college, I went to UC Santa Barbara. So I was kind of in that area in California, um, lived in many different areas of California. And when I got out into working world after college, I was sort of hurled into uh, different types of work that are completely different. I mean, I, I ended up in Colorado working for a, um, a disaster restoration company, a construction company and environmental company all in what one. What was your major? 
I was majored in sociology, so <laughs> that was my I'm plan I'm just wondering initially. how it fits here. I was like, okay, so you're going to like help them cope with the fucking reality of their social, social economic situation or whatever. Interesting. Um, no, it, it does not off. start out that way. I didn't intend to work at, you know, these, these random like construction companies. I did start out in sociology wanting to be a psychologist. That's kind of where I was, I thought I was going to be going, but I got out of college and really when you're, I had to get a job. I didn't have money to go into med, uh, not med school. Well, actually I could have done that too because my whole family's doctors. So that was another option, but I can't stand the sight of blood. So for me, I come from a family of doctors and I was like, well, I guess I'm not going in that direction. Um, but I did actually get my master's in naturopathy, uh, naturopathic medicine. So I, I did go that route for a while, but um, yeah, after, after I started to get, you know, at college, not to cut I, you I off didn't that, have... Just to ask, because you mentioned naturopathic medicine, I mean, as far as I have understood, and you may probably be more proficient in this topic, isn't that in a sense, one could say, the original school of medicine, even for, let's say, up to 90, 19th century United States? Yeah, that that's the original medicine, really. And it actually started much more over in Europe, you know, where you are. And the area was much, much more prevalent over there. But um, the so you're the natural... real doctor. Take that, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really go the medical route. Even my degree was—it's uh, more of a master's. I didn't get my doctor's license because I didn't really want to go through med school. And even with that, so I just—I was very interested in the realm of that, but I didn't want to go the route of you know blood gore and all that. So I went the natural route and got very into the natural medicine, which is the original um, template for that. It's just that, um, not to say that they can fix everything with that, but it's better to use that, in my opinion, than trying to go the pharmaceutical routes for most most things. I mean, you get a broken bone and yeah, there's there's reasons and I've had that. So I'm actually very glad I had the Western medicine to fix my broken leg because <laughs> that was a major thing. Um, but there are definitely uses for it, but I say those are kind of limited. So yeah, the naturopathic medicine is, uh, you know, my dad was, I, both my parents are gone now, but he was a, um, physician, but he focused on chelation therapy and all the natural medicine. So he was already in that field doing chelation therapy and also treating people with natural medicine, um, in his later years. And he was one of the forefathers of chelation. So he was very progressive and really brought that to the table. He was one of the pioneers. So I always admired my dad because he really had, um, set the stage. He did 10 million different things. He was just an amazing person but anyways. Um, but he, I kind of wanted to follow in that line, but didn't want to go into full on medicine. So I've had my hand basically in a lot of different areas from software companies to natural medicine to uh, environmental and construction and working with adjuster, insurance adjusters, engineers, um, attorneys, like all different kinds of things, um, which has been great. It's like gives me sort of a well-rounded, um, you know, I'm not too much into the financial world, but some of the other stuff for sure. So I've had a, a lot of, uh, experiences in different areas in my life that I feel has been helpful for me. But um, yeah, I would have probably liked to have just gone the 
the psychologist route, it would have helped, but you know, you end up where you end up, but now I end up doing it in a totally different way <laughs> and helping people in that way, you know, anyways. A dope way, I should say. Um, so were you doing like Ayurvedic stuff or kind of like cupping or like what was the kind of flavor that you were learning, kind of jack of all trades in terms of naturopathy? Yeah, the nat the naturopathy was just a general study, I guess you would say. So mostly it focused for me was on um, supplements or foods, that kind of thing, you know, where you're more focused on you know, water, foods, natural food. I wouldn't really go into heavily um, specific, you know, like cupping or any of that kind of stuff. I didn't really do any of the treatments to people or any of that because I didn't have the license for those things. Uh, but I kept it in my, you know, back pocket because I also was a massage therapist. So that's another thing. I, w I did get certified in massage therapy uh, when I was younger. I got, um, it was mostly mas um, Swedish massage and polarity is the other way. So I did a lot of body work and a lot of body work certifications after that. So those are the kinds of things I did. And I did actually do massage therapy for a while. I was actually seeing clients and that kind of thing. Um, and like I said, for me, I, I, I liked it to the extent that I enjoyed it, but I found I was hurting my wrists a lot and my neck and my back. And I was like, oh, this is not for me. <laughs> so I decided to move on. But, you know, true to my Aquarian nature, I get bored easily with one thing, right? So I have to, you know, jazz it up with a few different things. I've always kind of been working on multiple things at one time. Otherwise, it just... I do kind of lose, lose interest in it if it doesn't have, you know, creativity in it now is my biggest thing. So anything I'm doing is just all creative. So not just, you know, not just speaking light language, but my artwork, you know, put out a, uh, my Oracle deck and now I'm getting into music, believe it or not. That's my newest thing is creating music and who knew? I didn't even know I could do it. So I've been really experimenting and just, gosh, you know, pushing the limit with some of the things that I didn't know I had in me. And now I'm doing that too. So it's just so you say, you know, just so people know, never say never. Well, I'm never going to do that. Oh, I could never do that. I mean, I was like top saying that like all the time. And now I'm going, God, I said that. I said that so many times. And now look at me, I'm actually doing that, you know? So never say never you just never know <laughs> right in the same vein like don't just think it's one thing it's like i only can do this i only can do this so about you see what we're saying about 10 years ago um you, uh you were kind of getting redacted or whatever when did you start kind of getting more serious about light language when did you i mean was it all at once or was it kind of a gradual thing kind of walked through the evolution and how did you end up in sedona like that kind of stuff because that's kind of a mecca so to speak, of these energies and these kinds of conversations. It's not, I mean, I'm sure people in Santa Barbara, you know, talk about that or whatever, but not quite the same. I've never been to Sedona personally, so I've heard it's pretty ratchet energetically, but I have yet to experience it uh, phenomenologically myself. So, yeah, like what did, what did the, uh, I mean, you're doing all these odd jobs in Colorado and everything. What did you start kicking into more like I'm a mystic healer leader of, you know, <laughs> messages from beyond like how did that kick into that gear well the time that really started was in 2009 when the market was crashing um really bad 
And I was at the tail end of working at that company. And I knew for about a year that it was going to end. And I was being told to, to do something else. But I sat there and held on for dear life, you know, trying to just keep the paycheck, whatever. I was, a, I was an independent contractor, but I was still getting regular pay. And sure enough, that year later um, is when around the 2009 mark, they had to let me go. And they let me go long, uh, later than some of their own employees. So I did hang on for a while. But after that, I said, okay, I need to do, I was getting the intuition that I really needed to step into my role here because I had skirted the issue or just didn't really feel confident about or want to go in that, you know, fear, whatever mode. So I said, I got to get over that and I just have to step out of the gate and go. And what happened was I ended up going to, uh, I left Colorado after being there for about 15 years. Um, I left and went back home for a while in California. I thought I was going to go back to California, but something diverted that to Sedona. I did not mean to actually come here. It wasn't my intention to live here. I actually, uh, some things happened with my family and I ended up going to Phoenix for, I was already uh, going to a seminar here for like two weeks. And what happened was I went there. I, I knew I was just going to change my life. I didn't know. I thought, well, maybe I'll go to Portland after this conference is over. Who knows? You know, the sky's the limit. I'm just not sure where I'm going to go. Well, I went to the conference and two uh, weeks after I said, well, I'll just stop off in Sedona while I'm here before I go to Oregon or wherever. And I came here and I just, you know how we all feel. I've been to Sedona like 20 years prior and actually almost had a job here lined up for me and I turned it down at that time. And I know now I wasn't ready for the energy. So when I did get to Sedona, I instantly just felt, you know, I feel like I need to stay here. And actually I thought, well, maybe I'll just stay here for six months. That's all. Just do some healing work, you know, maybe start moving into this direction of what I want to do. Wasn't really sure what it was. But I said, I'll just stay here for six months. Now I'm going on 10 years. So we know how that ended up. So I ended up here. And I just, when I got here, it was about a year of doing healing work on myself. Just, you know, I had some downtime. I didn't know how I was going to transition or exactly what. But I started just to do some healing work for about a year. Then I started to do some creative uh, just art that I had never done. I started taking photographs of Sedona and then I just started to, Hey, wonder if I could put this in an art piece or, Hey, you know, it was those questions. And I just started into creative mode. Um, there was a time about a couple of years in to being in Sedona that I got about a huge download, huge download of information. And literally in about two weeks time, I just started blurting out all these star languages and languages that were coming. I was in the shower. I was trying to sleep. I, they were just coming. And I started to record them. And then I started to realize this is stuff that I've had in me, but now it's just, you know, timing and ding, you know, out of the gate. So light languages, I spent about two years of just integrating. What language is this? What does it feel like? What's the energy? Where is it coming from? You know, all these questions. And I started to just really, I didn't want to just blurt out languages. I wanted to really know where they're from. So that was the integration of the light languages and the energies. And I, at the same time period, I started to get uh, star beings coming to me and just lining up almost to be 
done like a portrait, you know, and I was like, okay. So I would just, one would come in and maybe, uh, it's funny. I've had these instances where I planned to do an image of something. And then all of a sudden this other image or this other uh, being comes in and says, I want you to do my image first. Cause this information is more important or, you know, it was like, they kind of kicked the other one out of the way nicely, of course, but Were that's what's happening. I'm kidding. <laughs> Like we went up front. Yeah, like the Orions, the dragon energy came in and did that once too when I created my Valley on the Wisdom Keeper dragon energy. It was very important that the dragon needed to have the energy come in right then. It was just like, some, and it was really interesting because as I heard about this, the time that that image came forth, a lot of people were talking about dragon energy coming back and um, the good dragon energy, not the you know evil stuff I'm talking about, but just the the good dragon energy. So it's just a, a timing thing, I think, with the art now. And then as I was doing these images and creating, and it just got more and more and better and better and more refined. And then I said, you know, this all has to be in an, in an Oracle deck. So creating the Magical Dimensions Oracle deck came out of that. And throughout this whole time, you know, I've been working with clients and starting to do intuitive work. I initially worked in Uptown here in Sedona for about a year, two years almost in that time frame, doing uh, psychic readings, intuitive readings. And that's another thing. I said, I'm never going to do that. I <laughs> didn't even want to do that at first. Um, but again, this is the kind of thing where you're being asked to do something and you, you know that you have this push or calling and I just said yes to the calling. And then once I said yes to it, it started to open up. I didn't have it all figured out right when I was doing it. I had to step forward. I always use that example of like the, the movie, you know, Indiana Jones, when he's like stepping off the cliff and, you know, doesn't see anything. And then the stone appears and he's like, oh, okay. So you can put your foot there, but you don't know where the next one's coming, but okay, there's another one. And that's really what my life has been for the last couple of years. <laughs> that's just, a great just... film, by the way. Last yeah, Crusade. Yeah, it's a, it's... Uh, he should never have thrown the sand on because that's how the Nazis got through so quickly. That's so true. I'm always like, bro, <laughs> you knew it was there. What are you trying to convince yourself of something you already know to be the fact? Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Small, small aside <laughs> here. It's like, yo, you just let the bad guys come through. But, um, uh, so Raphael actually, he consciously channels, I mean, I have a Mercury and Mars and 12th house cancer. So I think playing music, kind of conversing, whatever, not to be semantic, but I think channeling can be almost anything in a weird way, but it seems like you guys are having certain experiences with specific beings, images, frequencies. I'm kind of curious, Raphael, did you ever have this, uh, close encounters of a third kind, kind of like I'm being approached by things that I don't know how to deal with or was it always something that you knew how to grok because of your culturing or how did that work for you Raf? i would say the big question here always is when do you start defining something as other and that i would say very much has to do with one's present state of mind when that is occurring um and then we can talk about altered states it's always a question do you see something truly as external and outside of yourself or do you see something as part of yourself where do you draw the line that would be my question good point so lightstar that brings up two kind of points because you were talking about being kind of initiated without cultural safety nets in a sense early on i totally understand 
um, back in high school, I started like running on a treadmill and doing all this kind of Kundalini stuff, and I astral projected, and I had no clue how to handle that, so I kind of shut it down, like you were saying. And then back in 2011, I smoked DMT and was like hanging out with Egyptian deities and having Kundalini awake, you know, awakenings and weird stuff. Still don't know what to make of that, particularly. Um, but it seems like uh, you're one who's kind of been thrust forward in an exploratory kind of fashion. What with so much Aquarius energy, not terribly surprising. You're kind of a pioneer in your own life. Um, when did you, like what Raphael's kind of saying, did you ever look at these things as distinctly other? Or have you always kind of looked at the all as one, this is me in another form? Like how are you processing that? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, a really great point that you pointed out, Raphael, is that literally the other doesn't really, I mean, really, yeah, we are all one, but do we really start out that way thinking that we're all one? I mean, we do come in that way when we're babies and very young. So I do feel like we have that. And then somehow we're told, no, you know, this is not for you. That's not right. This you're always told no, no, no from your parents. And then you start to see that everything's like wrong <laughs> in the world. And then we start to separate everything out. But I don't feel that uh, it's probably true for me when um, I started to have, you know, kind of beings come to me as far as in my uh, astral and in my third eye and starting to see that stuff. I did first um, would say that I would see it as other, as separate from me. But also when I started to work on connecting with my higher self, I think at that point really started to um, have me change that viewpoint where, and even connecting with, um, I do channeling from, uh, well, Ascended Master Hilarion has been the one that I channeled, but I did a lot of channeling years earlier when I was first opening up to all different kinds of, you know, archangels and different beings and things of that nature. But um, Master Hilarion kind of stuck around and did my uh, yearly predictions for the Sedona Cosmic, for the Sedona Journal of Emergence. Usually it's, it's posted in there. This year it wasn't, it wasn't, but I started to kind of realize that a lot of the beings that we have coming to us, I can't say it's always like this, but your higher self, your spiritual guides, especially. And when I started to read this for other people, I started to see that the spiritual guides that people would have would have some kind of similarity to maybe them and who they were, the person. Uh, maybe it's the personality right. It's almost or like something. your dog. <laughs> yeah. It's like they are one. So yeah, there's a connection between them. And that's when I really would say, you know, well, are they really separate from us or are, is it really really all connected and the vibration is just similar it's a similar vibration and maybe that your spiritual guide has you know you guys have been in many many times in different incarnations and you you know connect keep connecting and keep helping each other so you come back that is very very true for many of the spiritual guides we have so they start to become almost like brother sister even maybe parts or aspects of yourself and that's when we start to push that limit of like, well, it's all really part of us and we're all connected, but we see them differently. We see them visually as, or even energetically, we feel them different from our energies. So that's how you distinguish. I mean, there may be a difference because there's a different um, energy stream there, but it's still somehow connected to, if you go all the way up to the Godhead, you know, 
you're going to see it's all the same. It's all one. It's just we're still separating. It's for us to understand, I think that's really what it is. Just a, until we get to a level where we don't really need that anymore, then it can be really all one. Does that make sense? Totally. It's both and. I mean, it seems like a simultaneity is kind of always going like, you know, you are an individual having an individual experience. And yet, like Raphael is saying, like, where does the self even stop? Like at the skin, at the electromagnetic aura, at the nation state identifier? Just to, in terms of different situations, I believe it's Alan Watts who said something like, you can condition your children, but at least give them the key so they know how to, you know, open the lock or realize there is no door or something like that. I would say that when I had more intense, let's say, alternate consciousness state experiences, in my case, and I'm very happy for that road laid out by my higher self, I was already pretty much aware, even consciously tried to go into that direction of understanding the interconnections, just put it in a generalized fashion like that. So then when things came up, I was immediately, let's say, assuming and recognizing it as part of myself. Of course, with things like ayahuasca and so on and some dreams, it's not always the first thing maybe that's on your mind, but just this basic concept also, because then when you're on these explorations, you don't as easily come into a kind of a conflict or paranoia or something. But I've also heard of cases, and it's very understandable that if you open up too much of that too early and it's too intense, then of course, you know, that causes other, in a sense, issues, in another sense, of course, merely healing opportunities, so that then later on, one may share that wisdom and that healing in an even more refined fashion. It's funny, because yeah, I, a... oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's, that's a really good point, where, you know, there's a lot of people that do uh, mind-altering substances and things of that nature. I can't say speak to any of that because I know you guys have had those experiences perhaps, but I know for myself, I've never had those experiences. And it's part of me that doesn't want to um, as a choice that I make. So literally all the stuff that happens to me is not any kind of drug altered, induced or you know influencing kind of effect. So everything I experience... I just told myself, cause it's just part of me. It's not, I don't condone, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anyone else doing those things. It's just a choice that people make individually. I personally just wanted to have the experiences completely like sober and in waking state and in my dream state without those so that I could really feel like, okay, this, this is really happening. You know, it's not something into influencing me or opening me up is probably a better term with those because I know those things just really open up the barriers that, you know, come down, but I felt like it was important to try to, I'm going to say, dissolve some of those barriers, uh, just on my own. And I think that was because of that's part of my empowerment journey. <laughs> like I wanted to do it myself. Right. It probably and shows actually, up in my chart somewhere. It's like, I have to do it myself. It is. You know? I'll mention that in a second, but Rafa, what then, are you going to say? No, Jimmy, you can, and then you can confer with my chart because in a sense, at least up to a certain point, I did the very same so at least the choice of polarization and some understandings I did before ever, let's say, stumbling across any truly, you know, experience or thing that truly throws you out into altered states like that. So that's, of course, then a different thing, because I guess in a sense, especially because there is no guidance, oftentimes people engage too early with these things before they've made up their minds or have any bearing on their sense of self. 
And then, of course, you know, it gets very, very tricky. So in a way, I would even draw a parallel here. Well, as far as charts go, I haven't looked at yours in a while, Raphael. I just looked at your north nodes in Aquarius and seventh house where my Jupiter is. So, of course, we're going to hang out and do cool shit. Um, but as far as yours, um, star, light star, rather, um, you've got a north node, which is like your Dharma, right? Like north node is like, what do I need to be going in this lifetime? It's in Taurus, as is mine. Yours is an eighth house, so Scorpio flavored. I mean, in a weird way, you're kind of a, a temple of <laughs> spirit and and death and alchemy um and transformation really ultimately uh death is just a very big transformation you're kind of naturally that portal so you've always i mean you don't need drugs in that sense your moon is in 10th house cancer so it's like you're tuned into the world's kind of vibes uh empathic like you were saying like you you're going to be pretty tuned into people's in the world, the collective, like this year has probably been very difficult for you because even though you're kind of emotionally aloof, like you were saying as an Aquarius, you're still tethered um, at a kind of butterfly effect level with the world's emotional state. So it's you know, like, you know, if like a nuke goes off in Hiroshima, you might have a bad day. I mean, everybody might in a weird quantum way, but like you would definitely, but um, your Pluto and Uranus are conjunct in 12th house Virgo. So you're like, I want to transform practically to the highest degrees of initiation. I want radical change and I want, you know, you're basically on drugs naturally. I mean, there's a weird way to put it. So you don't really need to do them. I'm glad that you're not moralizing them. Um, that can be a thing that happens. Uh, and either way, moralizing them, like everybody needs to eat acid Tim Leary style. It's like, no, maybe it's not for everybody. But um, at the same time, you know, people saying, oh, you know, I want to be pure and chaste. You actually have a, an astrological, you know, verification for that kind of inclination. If that makes sense. You're not just being kind of pious. Yeah, I feel like I have no, I have, you know, no, no, I don't, when you said moral, it's like, yeah, I have, who am I to say, like, it's wrong for this person to do this or that? It's like, everyone has their own ability to choose. And that's part of the Aquarian thing is we just accept, you know, people to do whoever they are, like, whatever you want to be, you know, it's, it's totally up to you what your choice is. So why would I judge that? So I've always kind of felt that way about all of it. But I literally am a very, very sensitive system for myself. So I think for me, um, it's you, like know, you have a cup of coffee, of, you're jittering kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely, yeah, I can't drink coffee. I'd have it in the morning and then I'm still up at night. So I have it very once in a while or, you know, occasionally, but I don't really do well with those kinds of things. I, I mean, I would say, you know, there's certain things that I did to an extent, but nothing that was really crazy, like mind altering kind of thing, because I felt like my my body's just too sensitive for that kind of stuff. And you're right. It is kind of like I just didn't feel like I needed to have it. So, you know, and part of um, – I didn't really know too much about – you're way more into the astrology or knowledge about that. But I did know when I found out my north node is in Taurus, then I was like, oh. At first I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, oh, yes, it does. <laughs> I was like, I got to bring it all to the to material world. And that's that's when it really started to note is that all my spirituality and everything that I've learned, right? Because I think the opposite in Scorpio is that you've kind of learned that from past lives or had that. But everything I'm I'm doing and I'm always saying that too is I'm like, you guys, what I'm trying to tell people is that we've got to bring all that spirituality here we're not about floating out into the ethers and having these experiences, but then not being in your body and not being able to tangibly pull it down and, and be practical here with 
that spirituality with those awesome knowledge and wisdom and experiences that you have. So I said, that now makes sense to me that that's kind of what I'm all about is, is bringing it into the practical. So for me, it was marrying two sides of myself, the practicality and the magical. So I always called myself, you know, there's, there's magical light star and then there's practical Susan, you know, and I'm trying to blend these two together in this life so that it, it is a nice synergy. And I feel that that's kind of what, why I think people, I always get this comment is that, wow, you're, you're doing all this stuff that seems kind of woo woo and kind of out there, but you seem really grounded with it all. And that's where I feel is really important. So I get to help the people that are really woo woo with it all and can't seem to bring it down, you know, cause it's not about just having all the knowledge and all in your own head and your own meditations and then never really kind of bringing it here or bringing yourself to that place of being in, uh, utilizing it so that people can understand. And so I, that's why I feel myself as a bridge. I'm kind of like that bridge building, uh, type of, of being that can help to take someone from one point to the other. And at least that's where I'm seeing myself going. You know, we're all evolving and growing and changing and transforming wherever we go. And yet, yeah, it's been on the fast track for the last 10 years of my life. You know, it's like when I finally step on the gas pedal and then it's like somebody pushed it to the floor. Like, oh, okay, okay. We're not just hitting the gas pedal. We're hitting the gas pedal. <laughs> and I think a lot of us feel that way at this time because it's just go, 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 go. And it is. It's go time for all of us. Reminds me a little of uh, Back to the Future. I mean, picking up speed in the DeLorean to 88 miles an hour is one thing, but then, you know, popping through uh time or whatever after that is a, a kind of a different route um so yeah you're totally on a we both like i said had north nodes and taurus yours being an eighth house i think you're going to find that your transformation you're here to learn how to transform and be more and more independent in a weird way um with the south node in scorpio i've always been and i don't know if you feel this way i'm like was i mean it's like more left hand like scorpio's more taboo kind of dark left hand path kind of energy and i'm like was i like you know, sacrificing people in the Mayan temples or, you know, like what was on mushrooms? Like, what was I doing? Um, and not that that was the case and I don't really care. I mean, it, it takes all flavors, I guess, but, uh, it seems like the South and Scorpio is kind of like you, we used to be more like Jafar or something from Aladdin. Who's like, I'm going to use, or like game of Thrones almost kind of where it's like, I'm using people to get ahead and I'm not really doing, I'm not being independent and formulating this on my own. I'm kind of like, doing it in, a, in almost like a um like in the movie aliens like the whole point of the face suckers and that stuff is like this is going to be a parasite that impregnates you and then it grows through you that's very south and scorpio it's like you can't do that anymore you have to create your own spaceship well it, can it all it can also look like just the you know in the egyptian time for example an advisor to the pharaoh you know spiritual advisor to the pharaoh and that's what you did and you were taken care of you know or you know, Oracle in my case, because I've had that experience of where you're just kind of taken care of, but you, you, you provide your social, you know, your spiritual gift and that's what you do. And you're, and because of that, you're taken care of, but you're not the person um, taking care of yourself necessarily. <laughs> so I think that is definitely true where I can see, you know, in this life, because I've been having to be independent and thank God my parents in this life were pushing me to be independent. They pushed all of us kids to be independent 
And that was something we all really have a lot of gratitude for in this life because um, they were like that. And they, that was a value that they kind of put on us and it's made us all the better for it. And that's why, and so I've always been that in this life. And I, I can see how that would transpire <laughs> to now it's time to, you know, create your own world. And I think that in the beginning and when I was younger, of course, I wasn't ready to really step into that role at all. You know, part of me didn't really want to go there. And that's why it took so long, you know, half of my existence on this life to finally step in along with the other things that I was being held back and didn't want me to be uh, putting myself out there at the wrong time or timing. But I still feel like it's um, these different things that come into play when you learn about yourself a little bit more and start to follow some of the astrology of where some of this finally falls into place. I haven't really looked at the Vedic astrology, but I've always wanted to have a Vedic astrology reading because a friend of mine said when she had hers done, she said it was really way more accurate to her than the Western. So there is a difference there, but I was wondering, I don't know if you do the Vedic astrology or know anything about that as well. I'm not doing a sidereal or Vedic. What I've heard kind of, because it shifts everything a little, um, what I've heard, and I think this kind of resonates because I'm not against it. It's just not a flavor that really appeals to me. It's kind of like, this is, it's almost like a, a practical slap in the face with like, this is how you're going to die. This is how, this is how you're going to make money. This is whatever. It's very um, masculine in that sense, I think is the best way to put it. And it's very kind of like, it is what it is, deal with it. Whereas I've found that Western tends to be a little more, this is the myth you're telling yourself. These are the archetypes you're playing with. It's a little more feminine. It's a little more loose. Um, so uh, I could send you a video um, that I saw that was kind of making these differentiations. Um, it's kind of, I mean, it's in a weird way, it's like the dollar and the euro. It's not that different, really. In some ways, it's so different. It's night and day. You know, they're they're kind of, in, I mean, Western astrologers are having to like be like, yeah, it's a little different than what we look up to because of um, axial tilt and all this stuff. Whereas Vedic is like, no. This is what we would, you know, NASA would agree, I guess you could say, with uh, Vedic astrologers. Um, but would, yeah, the, not would that change? That. Would that change? Changes a little. So your astrology, would, your main sun sign would probably oh, yeah, would change. I forget the degree. I think it's like 15 degrees apart. And it's going to keep going apart. Like at one point they were in harmony or whatever. They were on the same. And then one is tethered to the I'll just send you that video. I'm not going to be a good apologist about what's going on here, but one is more tethered to the actuality and it adjusts uh, much in the same way that like NASA would, where it's like, look, we're, we're doing this thing. Whereas I think uh, Western is more ecliptic based. Now I'm starting to sound, you know, talk about things I'm just not sure of. So I'll send you the video that I, <laughs> yeah, I that's saw. Fine. Be like, fine. I don't Thanks know, but uh, bottom line, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I, I think it's more of a, um, if you want to know kind of like when you're going to die or what time to put the, you know, dishes in the dishwasher, like very, very practical things, it seems to be Vedic is more like poignant. But if you want to kind of be like, what was the flavor of the person you should be attracted to? Or how do you tend to think, you know, like very kind of ephemeral kind of, I mean, it sounds like more open woo woo or whatever, but it's like that kind of feminine. It's, it's almost like Freud versus Jung or something like that. Like Ford is like, yes, these are the, this is the hard, hard line. And then Ford's like, or, you know, Ford's a little more intense and Saturnian in a way. And then for, uh, Jung is more like, 
oh my gosh, we're in a dream dreaming itself. And these are all our, it's a little more kind of like loose. Um, I kind of want to get into your past lives, whatever you know, if you want to talk about that. And we'll see where all this goes. Um, let's take a quick music break, though, and we'll be back. So if you want to get a drink or go to the bathroom, you've got about three or four minutes to do so. Okay, cool. Thanks. Welcome back with Lightstar. That was a little Moby Jam. I don't know if you remember that. That was always a cool track to me, though. And I i don't know. Stars made sense. <laughs> that was funny. Good music you guys got on here. <laughs> we try. We try. Yeah, Raphael, I, the kind of deal we do is like, you do the intro music, and I'm always surprised. Uh, his Libra son always pleasantly surprises me. And I tend to try to pick one that syncs up at least with either the vibe or the person or some weird attribute. And then he picks another track, and like I said, it's almost like a Pandora shuffle that I have no clue what's going to happen, and I don't think he's ever played anything I hate. Like, I've loved pretty much everything, so it's always fun. So, um, Raphael, before we go further, I'm kind of curious of what your uh, opinion might be, and it's just an opinion, obviously, so don't, you know, no one get butthurt. Um, what do you think about her redaction situation? Is she not permitting herself in a Bashar sense? Is she not giving her permission slips? Or how, how are you looking at that? I'm it's not saying an implant. That. Oh, no. God. <laughs> no, no. Um, so let me put it like this. From the awareness... Okay, so I could either not talk about secondhand in terms of um, what I experienced with channelers and information that I read, or I could talk about what I experience when I do channelings. So... My general sense is, number one, that much information simply isn't relevant and timely, even though some random Earth humans in their ego confusions may want to know that now, because I want it now or whatever, and they don't even know what's best for them. And now all of this spoken in a sense from the highest possible angelic viewpoint, let's say. So that's uh, number one. Also, oftentimes with channeling in general, although it seems Lightstar, you have some experience with predictions and so on, which of course are particularly interesting. I find many times details really don't matter so much. That may be another uh, aspect about redaction. And aside from that, also Bashar oftentimes says, uh, we are not allowed to talk about this or that. I mean, that's his way of putting it. And there's sometimes explanations for that or not. But I would just say, especially because a human mind is, let's say, quite different from many other minds, especially more etheric minds, I'm not terribly surprised that there may be a mismatch, which then ultimately may be translated as a reduc reduction in that sense. Does it make sense what I'm saying, Lightstar? Yeah, I, I think what you were saying about uh, things that are not relevant or timely is definitely um, coming up for me because... There's things that I I know that I have had dreams that have told me, um, you know, specifically things that I have been doing in these other dimensions, these other multi-dimensions, these other realms. And some of it is that, I guess there's twofold. Some of it is that uh, it's just, it's things that are going on in another timeline that some of them do come right. in and, you know, affect and is relevant for this timeline as well, but then some of them are not. So that's where it's a little bit like, well, it's, it's going on in this other dimension. How does that really affect or does it even matter here? And some of them do, some of them don't is what I get with that. But, um, but I've been shown by, 
you know, I say like when I ask my higher self with that stuff, that there are some things about my, I would say some things about my energy or my DNA that's happening in that other dimension. And that's what they're trying to, uh, let's just say there may be some not so pleasant beings that want to do diff different things with uh, that than they shouldn't be doing um, that will be distorting it. And so that's part of the, I said, overall kind of protection. But I have gotten the sense that like now I'm so to the point where it doesn't really matter and I don't really need to have the need to know. There's no life card. Talk about it. Yeah. Like it, it's not as important for me as it was many years ago for that. So I feel like that part of it, I've kind of resolved. And, and when I did resolve it, one thing that I did do is I kind of uh, made it very clear that I'm okay with whatever needs to be not, you know, talked about if it's not relevant or it isn't timely or anything that, that doesn't need to happen. That's it's like a level of acceptance. As, as, yeah. Level of acceptance, just as long as you allow, as I am allowed to do my work here though, because when it was interfering with the work I was doing, that's when I said, okay, we got to do something different. Then we have to shift the energy or you guys need to do something different. And that happened. I mean, it was literally, I made a kind of a soul connection with that. And I said, we got to shift the energy it has to change. And it's almost like a command, not a request. So that's where it changed. And that's exactly what happened. So some of it was the empowerment for me to just say, okay, it's like writing a different contract. Okay. I want to redo this contract in, a, in some way so that we can continue and that I can continue my work here. And it happened right after that. So it's very interesting twist and turn to the information that was allowed to come through after that. <laughs> so there's something to be said about making a statement as being empowered and being in what, you, what, if it's something that you have the ability to change in yourself, you know, your soul and you have the ability to change. And in that case, that was something I was able to change and shift, um, and rearrange. And then it, it worked out. So now the dream is different. Happen, happen. <laughs> Seems like, yeah, you um, rearrange the furniture. So it just flows. The feng shui of your life is a little different now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that that can happen every single time that information, you know, is not able to come through and then you can just change it at will. You know, it's, it's kind of like saying the blueprint sometimes is the same. When you come down here, you can change certain things, but there are certain things that you've set up that you can't change. You know, that is just kind of the way that the plan was put together. But like people that you meet, things that you do, changes that you want to make in job, career, all these different things, what you want to create in your life. These are all things that are, I feel, within our, our realm of control in some ways. But Influence but... is how I look at it. We can influence anything in a weird way. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm still dealing, I mean, maybe I'm the fucking basic bitch here or whatever, but it's like, I still thinking like that I'm not God or something. I've, I haven't crossed this threshold. So for example, kind of like what you're talking about, Toothfold kind of comes to mind in the book of Enoch, I think, which is this crazy Star Wars kind of like angelic war book that's apocryphal or whatever in the bible um basically there's like people who are like oh we gave you know we were given astrology and witchcraft and war making and all you know all sorts of kind of evolutionary schematics uh, you know new blueprints or whatever 
And it was like, quote, before its proper time. That's That was like the whole complaint, I guess, of the Angelics in that storyline. So that's like kind of an example. What reminds me personally is when I did DMT, like I was saying back uh, in 2011, um, I, you know, the first, I did it twice in a week. So the first time I did it, I'm, you know, blasting through my Sahasrara chakra, talking to, you know, Egyptian deities, having Kundalini activations. Oh my gosh, all this stuff's possibly real. Like it was, I had an astral projector before, but that was a little different. It was a little more controlled. Um, whereas this was like, oh my gosh, Valhalla is real. All the myths are real. Maybe there's beings and deities and entities and oh my gosh, like that kind of level. So I did it again a week later and I got, I saw a mantid being basically. And it was like, you said you were a Christian, like you're not supposed to be here, which I kind of took to be like, you're not even integrating what's what you got the first time. Like, so don't keep coming back here. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard about that, but basically like DMT sometimes like you can get like kicked out of the party, so to speak, like not allowed in, um, which is sounds like kind of what you're talking about, where it's like redacted. aspect of yourself. Yeah, redacted. It's like, no, no, no. Like go back and collect $200. So um, anyway. No, I, wanna, I wanted to just say something about that, what you just said, because it just, it just uh, made me think of something. Is that, you know, when we've all had different lifetimes on the earth or even in other areas of the universe and planets where, you know, we've all not been pristine lives and just, you know, happy go lucky and flowery kind of all perfect lives, right? We've all done some things that we perhaps were learning and went to, like you said, in that example of Jafar and, you know, Aladdin, like we've all kind of played these roles that we had to learn, right? About what the energy so is in how to utilize it and how it gets manipulated and how we can manipulate the energy. So now I think that when you come to those experiences and you've had those experiences, and then you come to a place where of a choice point again, it's a question mark of, well, I know that we have these kind of energies. We can learn and do all these things and be almost like God-like if you want to say in that way be that God or, you know, command in those energies. But then I always have to ask is, but is it something that we should be doing? You know, do we, we have this ex experience, we collect our energies and power ourselves. Yes. You know, you could be the sorcerer, but is it in your best, you know, interest of you and also the best interests of everyone to utilize that power? And that's he said the sorcerer, that Mickey the Mouse and the Sorcerer's Apprentice, straight up. It's like, yeah, you could do it, but are you qualified? <laughs> and even if you're qualified to do it, still, should it you wise? use that power? <laughs> Is it wise to use that power? Should you use that power? That's the and Jurassic how Park. Else? It's like, you didn't ask and... to think if you should. <laughs> you could. And how else should. could you use that power in a better way that is for a higher frequency for everyone? And I've had, um, you know, we all talk about the Jedi dreams. Have you guys ever had Jedi dreams where you're really like being tested and big time? And I had the several of those dreams in um, a row, like one in a row. I would get them like three times. And the first time I failed. And then the next time I would do a little better, maybe in the third time's a charm where I was like, yes, I understood what you're trying to get at here. And that's kind of the, the Jedi dreaming where, you know, you're, I, I, for example, had this one dream where I was like, there was this whole scene of reptilians and they were doing these horrible things just like they are here, you know? And I had this, like, I could grow myself really, really tall. And all I did 
was I reached around behind this whole scene that was happening. You know, the reptilians with negative factions of them, what they were doing. And I just reached over really tall and pushed this, the reset button, shut it all down. So I just shut down the whole program. And I was thinking to myself, yay, oh my God, look what I did. This is awesome. I'm, you know, getting all pat myself on the chest and everything. Well, the second I had a dream, like a week later of this, almost the same content, say almost the same situation. And I was also okay. And then I started in the dream doing almost the same thing. And then I stopped myself because I had a feeling that I was being watched <laughs> and I was being watched for what I was going to do. And I sat down, I was like, is that really what I want to do? Is that really what's best to do? And I sat and thought about it and it seemed like it took forever in the dream but I did something completely different. I didn't grow myself tall and shut down the program. I actually stopped and I turned to the people who were being persecuted in this situation and I explained to them what was going on. And I said, hey, I know that there's a way that we could you know, kind of divert this and you go over here and this won't harm you or whatever. Do you wanna go here? Those of you that do, great, this is where we're going. Those of you that don't, it's okay. If you need that experience, stay in it as long as you need to, but then there's a way over here. So, and then I made the choice and I felt like I woke up and I was like, I get it. It's not about using the power that you have. Sometimes it's about letting people have the experiences that they need to have and to allow them to do that, but also say here, there's, there's also this if you want, but it's giving people choice because whatever they're learning or getting from that experience might be really valuable for them. And who am I to be taking that away from everybody? So it was, a, it was a big lesson in power and how to utilize it. So I think it goes for all those things that you guys were just mentioning about, you know, using your power and how to use it. And I mean, I'm still learning, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm still, I feel like I'm getting better and better at it in the dream time, which then also correlates into our real life here into a 3d realm to me this sounds like training in galactic diplomacy like contact scenarios which can be fractally applied to everything but that's what you that was was you that is what your story was about at least that's how it sounded to me making contact giving a choice of polarization instead of making a choice for a civilization or an entity when you know of course then the lesson cannot be integrated and of course then free will is not respected. And that's, of course, highly relevant. And uh, yeah, aside from that, I just concur. And I'd also say, understanding even just the simple factor of the so-called, you know, first contact dogma, in a sense, or just how to properly, truly assist without interfering, and then put that into the framework of these whole galactic stories, a lot starts to make a lot more sense as well. And really, seeing then that ultimately, in my view, at least free will uh, truly reigns supreme. So agree on that point. Thank you for that. So Lightstar, I'm kind of wondering, and if you don't want to give us pearls to swine or whatever, that's straight. Uh, it seems like you're fairly cognizant and aware and, you know, trying to integrate um, awarenesses of past, quote, past timelines, parallel timelines. What are some of the flavors you're working with? What are, I mean, you were talking about Africa with the intro song and stuff. Uh, I'm just kind of curious. So uh, if, yeah, if there's yeah. anything about that you want to talk about. Well, yeah, that's the first thing that came up was, again, that, that first thing. And I instantly heard these little African children in there. And it just made me 
go all the way back to my, I did have a past life or maybe two, but I know I had one for sure in Africa. And in that instance, it's not like I was anyone famous. I was actually a starving African child, you know, very hungry and all of that. But the thing that, and you'd think I would have a bad experience or something that would come from that. But to be honest, um, it wasn't, it's like one of the most happiest times for me, I think, because I feel like the African people, and I didn't really know that much about the African people, but, um, I just know they're very now I, when I was looking at it, it's like, you know, they're just really, they're very community, community oriented people. And they just have this very strong connection of family and they're very loving and just such kind and beautiful people. And they generally, the dances, the, the fun that they have, the rituals that they do. And it just seemed like it brought back a lot of good memories, even though I was pretty hungry in that lifetime. But the family, I think, was the most important. So that was one of my um, really, I think the re when I came across the musician Miriam Makeba, I came across that when I was in Colorado. And instantly, I just had this like love in my heart for her music. And I just, I had the CD at the time and I just loved it. So when it, that's one of them that just came up right away. So whoever chose that was definitely tuning in um, to that because it just made me smile. It just makes me smile. And whenever I saw the um, uh, Black Panther, you know, the movie, uh, I Wakanda just... Wakanda stuff, yeah. Yeah, I just instantly, that's my favorite movie of all of them. Uh, besides the, I also like the... Um, Green Lantern. That was also my, one of my favorites, but the Black Panther, I just really loved all of that and just embraced that. So Africa is definitely a big one. I would also say Greece was another one. And I had mentioned, uh, my time as being Oracle or one of the oracles in Greece. I also was in the Egyptian time period and had a very con strong connection with, uh, ISIS at the time. And also probably even a bigger connection with Horus for, my experiences with that time period and with uh, the Horus energy and all of the temples, that kind of thing. Um, I did have some not so fun times in uh, Germany, <laughs> speaking of Germany, but in that time period of the Nazis, because I felt connected to being in the Holocaust and perishing in that time frame. So I felt, you know, rem remembrances of uh, that not so fun experience, but nonetheless, we have them all, right? We have different ones. Um, those are the ones that uh, I'd say, and my, my time in Asia, because I definitely feel very connected to the Orient, the, um, especially in a time of being a geisha, because I had that experience. And, you know, some of these things that come up as you just, they hit you like a ton of bricks, but I, when I broke my leg and I didn't have anything to do because I couldn't walk, um, my dad was giving me at the time a bunch of books and that's how I started drawing actually started then. But one of the books was uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. And when I read that, I was in tears, just crying and crying, crying, and crying, couldn't figure out why I was, it's a book. Yeah. But it was like, it really hit me. And so I really felt the connections in that realm and, um, I'd say also at the time of the Christ, you know, time of Jesus was another time period that I was in. Um, I will say this, though, in my experience, um, I have not been on the planet Earth that I would say many lifetimes. I mean, in the span of lifetimes, you know, 
Um, some people have been in on this earth revolving here for thousands and thousands of incarnations. And I would say mine has been much more galactic, uh, much more otherworldly than it has been on this particular planet. So that's why I always feel a bit like I'm, I don't know, like a bit like I'm not quite even used to this body yet. <laughs> even after, you know, hundreds of lifetimes, I might say that I've been in here, but I don't know about the 10,000 incarnations. I'm stands with bear. My partner he's been here lots and lots of times. He's one of those people that just keeps coming around as well as, as otherworldly, but he has a lot more lifetimes here on the planet uh, on earth. So I, I guess I choose to come here maybe not as often as the next person um, for not because I hate it here or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's just I have a much more, I guess, wider experience in, in other realms and even in other, other universes, which has definitely been in my experience. So that's where I feel more comfortable. That's kind of where my soul is kind of uh, engineered towards as well as the angelic realms. So I kind of have my forte rather there, but I definitely have recollections of many different lifetimes here. Um, I would say those are the ones that are coming to me first, you know, off the top of my head. So out of curiosity, I mean, you're talking about more galactic flavor, angelic flavor. What would you want to speak upon about that? Um, what are you resonating with? Do you have any kind of <laughs> connections that you want to discuss? Yeah, I would say my galactic connections is the the one that's outside of this universe is really the one that I get the redaction from and that kind of stuff that I can't really talk about as much. But the ones from this realm in terms of this solar system and because um, I resonated first, I believe, with the Pleiadian energy a very, very long time ago. And I used to, when I was reading some information about the Pleiadians, I really resonated with that. But I didn't, still didn't think I was Pleiadian. I just liked the information. I believe it was at the time. Um, I forgot that Pleiadian channeler, and I read all her books. Barbara um, Arsiniak? Yeah, 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 I think you're talking Arsiniak's right. Arsiniak's book. So initially, early on, her early material, when I was younger, I did gravitate towards her stuff and feel a connection there. And then later on, really kind of felt more the Pleiadian um, but I also connect with uh, Andromedan and the Arcturian as well. And I even have the connection of Zeta because I feel like I also have the Zeta in me as well. And I only called myself at one point if I could figure out the Arcturus part. But at one point I was calling myself an Androzeadian, <laughs> which was Andromeda, Pleiadian, and uh Zeta, Androzeadian. So I kind of made up my own mixture, my own hybrid there. But I also feel like that Arcturian has to be thrown in there. Maybe it's Arcturo Androzeadian or something like that. <laughs> it sounds like a new kind of, uh, you know, um, animal, uh, like scientific name or whatever. Very cool. So I, I'm kind of curious, both Raphael, I mean, he's way up on this galactic stuff. I'm turned on to it to the degree Um like I said, I've been to those psychics and they're like, oh yeah, you're Syrian, you're Arcturian, all this kind of stuff. And it resonated, but I'm not playing in those, like you're playing with the toys, it seems more like in terms of light language and stuff. Because they're like, you need to get into light language, you need to do this, check out her. That's what their suggestion was. And I've just been a distracted ass double Gemini, just, you know, doing everything but that. So, um, 
I'm kind of curious, do you look at this in terms – and it's not either or, one is right, one is wrong. How do you look at yourself as a human? Are you having holographic experiences or do you believe that these are part of your soul experiences? Or Both of you all, I'm kind of curious. And there's no wrong answer, like I said, but I'm, I'm always wondering – how to dissect i mean i'm very you know mental about it gemini life so i'm kind of like all right so do you think that you're an arcturian or you're resonating with a frequency that is similar in that reality tunnel uh, go whoever wants to talk about it first so go. so i just provide some context and then let lightstar speak the way i understand it from different sources of lore is that humans as we are here now if we want to follow along this these galactic timeline storyline ideas as a model then we are already heavily hybridized multiple times containing aspects of varying so-called etheric civilizations to varying degrees. And then if one understands epigenetics, it is understandable how through, you know, a simple realignment of one's own thoughts, emotions, beliefs, and behaviors, one can activate these maybe sometimes somewhat dormant aspect, which then could in a sense be called Pleiadian, want to choose the right ones now, probably Liran, vegan, uh, so on and so forth. And even just from that, seen from that point of view genetically, it's again this whole thing like the one is all, the all are one. So that's my approach. Let's start. Yeah, I guess I would look at it like I kind of feel like the soul, at the soul level anyway, that it's all included. Like all this stuff is included, you know, past, present, future, it's all happening at the same time. So if we look at it from that perspective, there really isn't any timeline here, but you know, for our linear timeline on the earth is how we interpret stuff here. But if you look at the soul level, I always look at it like a, a spoke on the wheel of life. So if you look at a wheel, any car wheel, wagon wheel, and I always use this in my client sessions, it's just that if you see the center point is like your soul and then the spokes on the wheel go out in all different directions. There's many, many of them. Sometimes they're layered. You can't see them all. And then the rim of the wheel. So that all makes up you all in one unit here. Of course, the soul is not that small, but I'm just using it as an example. But all this different spokes on the wheel are like the different uh, percentages or aspects of you that you've taken like a quarter of your percent over into the angelic realms. And maybe another spoke goes into half a percent over on the earth and another percent over on, you know, Sirius or even on and on this goes. That's why, you know, we have crossover and that's why I feel like, so we, we actually are all of those things, but there's no way in different consciousness. I think our consciousness is, um, able to focus on multiple streams, but most people are really not doing that at least. So when we expand it out, it's really all you. But what I also feel with how it, it gets embedded in terms of being Pleiadian or Andromedan or whatever, that all that stuff that you have really goes into the DNA level. So your soul, the matrix of the souls, how I, this is how I understand it. It's just that the matrix of the soul um, is made up of codes and, and symbols and, you know, matrices and light and all this stuff, star matrix, whatever you want to call it. And then that, uh, kind of goes into like your one, un, one incarnation. Well, when you're, say you're Andromedan in that incarnation or whatever you, that matrix of your soul gets wrapped up into your DNA. If it's a DNA, like if anything that has DNA and it, and you wrap that into the DNA, 
then when you leave that particular incarnation, you, that stuff comes with you. It sort of gets wrapped up into the matrix of the soul. And that's why I feel like you can always read those things at a soul level. So all of those things, the, from the angelic, from the elemental and from the galactic sides of things, they all get sort of meshed in. And that's why we all feel connected to multiple different streams at one time. I mean, that's how, that's my explanation of how I see it, how I've felt it and how I read it in other people, because all the information is accessed there. It's like the Akashic records, but yet there's an Akashic records in your own soul. And all that information is wrapped up into that DNA, not the protein encoded type DNA, like your hair color, your eye color. It's more information in the DNA, so-called junk DNA that scientists call junk, but we know that's not true. And so there's a lot of information that we're only now just starting to extract that information out from those parts of the DNA and in the soul level. So I think we'll, I'm sure all of us will get much more understanding of all of these things, but that's how I see it as far as how it all works together and how, why we see so many different multiple streams running. Like a lot of people go, I just want to know where I'm from. It's like, well, you're not from one thing. You're not one thing only, and that's it. So, you know, we have to expand out to see how all that plays out. Well said. So I'm kind of curious about two things, and you, uh, I'm not sure which we should talk about first. When you said you were doing psychic kind of readings and stuff in uh, Uptown Sedona or whatever you said, um, what's your kind of modus operandi? Are you using cards? Are you kind of sitting there looking at people's blue auras like your mom's yogi? Um, how are you? How do you kind of dissect people at that level? Well, when I was starting up there in Uptown, I was just doing some basic reads. I didn't use cards at all at the time. And I was just doing, uh, I would, I would look at their, I just feel intuitively about what's going on in their life and just kind of what comes. So I just really went intuitive. I didn't really do channeling for them at that point, but I guess it's all channeling at some level where you're just bringing it in, channeling it from your own higher self. But I did tune in, uh, to also some beings that were around them. If I saw things, um, I started to see a lot in the realm when I first started out doing this kind of stuff. Um, I started to see a lot of uh, people in like mediumship type of work, but I didn't want to do that kind of work. It was just coming. And I literally just kind of said, you know, this isn't really the realm I want to kind of delve in. So I'm going to turn that dial off. Like I literally was turning the channel down. I mean, it'll still come in if it's prevalent, but I didn't want to focus on that. That just wasn't my area. I wanted to go a little bit higher, a little bit deeper maybe, but not necessarily with that. But it started to come in. So I was utilizing some of that um, to the extent. Um, gosh, as a matter of fact, I took a class a long time ago when I first moved from California back to, or when I was uh, right before Sedona. And I had taken a class. It wasn't Dorian Virtues. It was her, her son. And it was an angel class, but it was all about angels, right? And then the exercises we were doing, I was getting all these like people's, you know, people that had crossed over and someone's dog that had crossed over. And I was like, I told the guy, I'm like, what is this? He's like, oh, I see a lot of you are getting some of this mediumship stuff. And even though we're in the angelic class, so I, I didn't really want to turn that dial up too much. So I kind of moved into doing more of the intuitive stuff 
And then as I slowly started to do uh, soul starseed origin type work is really after that time in Uptown when I left that job and then I just ventured out just on my own. And I really just started to focus on doing some more healing work um, where, but also, you know, soul origins and looking at past lives and doing intuitive readings. Then I started to include my cards because I had created them. And so I kind of did the opposite effect where I didn't start out using cards. And now I just utilize them uh, for different purposes. I don't like rely on them heavily, but I still use them because they're really accurate and they give me a lot of information. Uh, so I do use my Magical Dimensions cards and I will use my Celestial Frequencies Oracle deck when it comes out because it'll come out in about two years, maybe 2022, 23. And so I'm starting to use those. That will be heavily focused on the Starseed. So that will have a different flavor and then they can be mixed together. So that's kind of where I started with it. And then now I'm kind of doing that plus my light language chakra clearings and different kinds of healings. And I've kind of expanded to different types of session work with people and also custom artwork, uh, all different kinds of things. And then the music, which is opening up as well. What kind of music are you getting into? Yeah, like yeah, acoustic I'm, guitar really or like DJing or how does that look? Yeah, DJ. No, no, no. Um, I'm doing more right now. I've included, I have a 444 music activation. So it's four minutes, 44 seconds each track. And they are my light language coupled with uh, music I've playing in the background. So um, it's like one is more of an angelic flavor. One's got a galactic, you know, galactic flavor. One's elemental flavor. So I have them separated out and the music in the background is um, different. It's not, I would say, I I guess if you know it, John Siri, Constance Denby, that kind of work. So it's a lot more ethereal and, you know, kind of more meditation type of music. But I just finished my vision quests. My, it's called uh, Transcension 2222. And these are all 22 minutes, 22 seconds each track and three of them are vision quests and then the other three are just the music only versions of those and those are very like i said ethereal and specific to the vision quests so one of them's angelic one of them's galactic and one of them's elemental so i like to do those and i'm going to be coming out with some new type of music again that's just more um i like the music that's kind of more for meditation more for relaxation, um, you know, laying on the, on the massage table, massage type stuff. So that kind of work is what I'm starting out of the gate with because it interests me the most and I can uh, do some activation in there. So that's what I'm really calling my music is more music activations. And I'm really excited about that because I, again, didn't know I could do that, but I got the keyboard and the whole, you know, whole thing. It's digital music, but I am creating some of the music. I actually play a little bit of flute myself. So I have, you know, I can do background stuff. Look out Peter Gabriel. Yeah, not quite as good as him, but yeah, I'm, I'm including some new kinds of things, new sounds. Um, I also have crystal bowls, you know, I play a little bit of the flute, but mostly on the keyboard and different sounds and space type of music. Like, like soundscapes, kind of it sounds ambience. like, and more, yeah, yeah immersive ambience, kind of stuff, mm -hmm. not so much driving, uns, 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 or whatever. That's cool. Um, no, I would suggest people not drive with any of my music. 
ever. Don't drown. <laughs> All of a sudden, they're above their car and they're watching themselves die in the car crash from another dimension exactly. or whatever. Um, so uh, maybe one more question and uh, we'll start kind of winding down. Um, what I saw your uh, prediction for this year and it was kind of cool because it was it wasn't exactly. I forget. I mean, now I'm kind of spacing, but it was like here I'm going to pull a card or or you did something where it was like this is for the first few months. It wasn't like Gregorian based necessarily. It felt more almost like a little kind of like uh, a little. Uh, I'm, I'm sounding like a total dumbass right now, but I watched I watched your 2021 uh, thing uh, where you're like, here comes you know Hilarion's message. I don't know if Hilarion had a message, but um, I watched it and uh, it was a while ago. It was a couple months ago now. But um, what? How are you coping with these times? What are you looking at? I mean, we don't need you know. Moses to lead us to the promised land on this one necessarily, but it's like, what are you, how are you coping? What is the advice you give to people? How do you see this in the grand scheme of the game of consciousness playing with itself, etc.? Yeah, I think you're, I don't know if you're referring to my yearly video that does have the one. It was like an hour. Ascended Master Valerion. Yeah, yeah, that that's one was, it. yeah, that was from him because he channeled a lot longer when than normal, um, but this one was a longer and more important, I guess, variety for 2021 because he was uh, putting that out as far as what's going on. And then I also do my quarterly Oracle consciousness reading and those are quarterly and that's where I kind of, I do that quarterly. So I don't know if you may have watched that. I think I saw the Hilarion one because he was like, or you were yeah. like, uh, don't hoard toilet paper kind of vibes where it's like, y'all, like, like be better. Like you cannot be basic animals right now if you don't want to be. Yeah, his oh, he had a lot of really great things to say in it that I'm actually spanning out into a couple of videos because he talked about the warriors of truth, the warriors of light, and the warriors of love. Yes, yes, and, yes. And that I'm actually making into a little bit of a three videos on their own because I thought it was such a powerful statement that he made about how these three are needing to step up to the plate this year and that this year um, basically a lot of the message he was saying was about the timeline shifting and different things changing in this timeline. It was kind of hijacked. And so we had some things that were shifting in this, but that it's all going to be changed, like change, change, change this year. A lot of transformation, a lot of energies changing and shifting so that, uh, and for people to get ready for, you know, things coming out, disclosure and a lot of content that might be shocking and that all of the warriors of truth and love and light and all of the healers and activators of the world are going to have to be on, you know, standby and literally step in because people are going to need help this year, especially because of all the transition and changes. And so I feel like the best, you know, I really try to tell people to stay as calm as possible, regardless of what's going on in the external world, focus on your internal world and really try to get, stay as calm as possible, stay as grounded and centered as possible. And to make sure that when I was saying earlier in one of my videos, it could have been that one or something else where I just said, make sure you just don't get inundated and stuck on the social media sites where it's just too overwhelming or too much. And that you got to break away from that and do something different, have a focus, really make sure your focus um, in different areas because it's a little bit on information overwhelm on a lot of it. So we don't want people getting just too crazy with the information coming in and forgetting about what they are, 
you know, supposed to be doing. Now, if your job is literally supposed to be doing in that work and in that line of work, great. Like those are the warriors of truth, really just staying the ground, holding the ground and staying, holding line and really being confident in strength uh, and forward moving in that direction of um, disclosure and opening it up. And then the rest of the people have to be there for the fallout because it's, it's causing a lot of problems for people. But we don't want people to get too confused, you know, too out there. And, and then they just aren't able to focus on why they came here, what they're supposed to be doing, and in their own life. So internal changes are going to be big as well as external changes this year. So it's very important for people to really stay calm, even though, and, and literally just kind of get off of the feed. That's what I call it. Like, literally, why do you think they call it a feed? You know, look at your Facebook feed. Well, why? Because you're feeding off of it. Other people are feeding off of it. You know, it's the energy is getting, everybody's getting fed, but it's like, it doesn't feel like it's a good thing to be addicted to the feed. It's just my opinion. <laughs> but no, you're totally cool. Weird. I mean, especially as Aquarius, I respect that. I mean, you're not a Luddite. You're not anti-technology. I think you're just kind of like be discerning. There's, I mean, North Node's in Gemini right now and is, is South Node's in Sagittarius. The, the squaring, uh, Neptune is squaring the nodes right now. So it's like a lot of confusion in terms of what's fact. Um, you know, sometimes you got people trying to take over the capital. Sometimes you have people, you know, it's like all sorts of crazy stuff happening right now where it's like, we need to kind of, like you're saying, it seems like, um, on the one hand, there's missions. And I really do like how you kind of trifecta with the uh, love, um, truth, and I'm spacing on the third one, uh, light. Light, light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you know, breathe, eat well, like get some, get outside, ground, like appreciate the world as it is outside of a digital kind of echo chamber or whatever. Um, if you could, I know we're right wrapping out of time, but like if you could kind of sum up maybe those three, um, aspects, the thing that kind of came to me, you said stay calm. It's like, keep calm and hilarion. Anyway, um, what is the warrior of light warrior of truth? It kind of sounds like you were saying, you know, truthers, people who are like, this is the, this is the disclosure. These are the facts. And you guys have all been kind of diluted. I guess warriors of love are holding space and being kind of like medics and warriors of light or what, like, how do you differentiate those? Yeah, though, and I'm going to talk about that more in the, the warriors of light. Cause I think the warriors of truth is pretty evident that a lot of that's the indigo energy, the ones that are changers of the structure and the structure systems that need to go. And they are paving the way for that. So they pave the way for people such as warriors of light and warriors of love, because they make it easier for their jobs. Okay. So the warriors of truth and indigos have a much, I want to say more challenging job in a way, but that's because they are usually a lot more able to handle it too. They have a lot stronger, uh, I don't care what you think kind of attitude. <laughs> it's just the way that they're wired a bit more. So the warriors of light, um, I, I, I guess I would say those are the ones that are bringers of the energy. Okay. So they actually bring the energy, they bring inspiration and, you know, they also activate. So these are the, that's why I, I consider myself to be a little more in alignment, although we all have all three of us or all three of those streams. Usually all of us play roles in there. I'm not saying you're categorized only in one and not, and that's it. But I'd say my role is a little bit more on the warrior of light, which is the activator bringers of the energy. These are the people that are really 
transmitting either channels or even through artwork and through um, music or whatever channel they're using to help people to ins get inspired, to get remotivated, to give people the energy to keep going, that kind of thing. And then I would consider, and they can also be healers as well. I'm not saying that's not out of the realm of the healer because they also, there's light healing and all kinds of base, uh, light-based healings that are involved in that as well. The warriors of love, those are the ones that are just the nurturers. They're here to, to give you that support when you're crying, when you're sad, when everything looks terrible and bleak. They're there to support uh, the other two as well. So there's a lot of support system, a lot of healing, and a lot of love that comes through. You usually know these people because they're the ones that you just feel love when you walk in the room, and that's what you feel from them. You know, they heavily connect with the angelic realms as well. So they're bringing that uh, angelic light as well can bring there. All three of those streams can connect with the angelics. But the love, the nurturers, the ones that are there to heal and to support. So hopefully that gave a little you know, context to those three streams a little bit better. Totes. And I don't know if you feel like making music for that, uh, but you could have a three-piece album there or whatever. Here's a tracks for the Warriors of Light. Here's tracks for the Warriors uh, of Light. Um, such a great idea. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I tend to have them. It's it's a bizarre thing. I'm not I'm not good at emphasize. You know, I don't do much with these ideas. I brainstorm a lot, and then the follow-through is the issue for me. But uh, the idea that kind of came to mind, because you were, you know, it's like um, – I don't know if you're into Lord of the Rings, but like when they're in the mines of Moria and stuff, it'd be a little different, I guess. But it's like it sounds like the warriors are like clearing the debris on the pathway, like the heavy work. Yeah, and, they uh, are the, um, the ones that bring it. You know, they're definitely the pavers of the way. Like shattering the way paradigms, that kind of stuff. So they move the debris and then the warriors of light, it seems, are like giving like you're saying the illumination the energy to see the path and know what you need to do and then you know the person giving you your lambus bread or whatever and encouragement you know kind of like here let's have a tea and a fire um they yeah because you need you need all three of those right, right, right you right. really need all of those three things to be on this planet and and do things well so we all need each one's vibration each one's frequency and that's where we share them back and forth with each other. But right now, for some, you know, specific reason this year, like that's coming really to a forefront where all three of these streams are really going to be needed this year to get us through. For sure. I imagine there's going to be a lot of uh, existential crises and people wanting to know what's going on. Um, but hey, in a weird way, I feel like a lot of people woke up in waves. I mean, this kind of gets into Dolores Cannon's kind of waves or whatever, but it's like, Okay, look, it's cool. Like, you know, you've been doing stuff, Raphael. I've been doing different kind of things. But now that we're kind of used to the jacuzzi, help people get in because they're not used to the jacuzzi kind of thing. Yeah, that's well put. So I really do appreciate you coming on. It's been a blast kind of picking your brain. Uh, thank you for subjecting yourself to our random questions and uh, scrutiny. Hopefully you didn't have a bad time. I'd love to get you back on here and talk about your deck sometime more in detail and maybe your music too, stuff's like that. But um, is there any kind of we'll, – we'll put your links and stuff in the um, – uh, you know, uh, we'll make it available to how to get in touch with you. But is there any kind of last parting thoughts that you'd want to toss to the listeners? Yeah, thank you for also having me on here. I really appreciate it. Um, I just really want to send love and light and strength to all 
the people right now that are struggling or having a difficult time with life and in general, and also with what's going on, especially in the United States, but really all over the world, um, to just the, the, the stress level that is pretty high right now and to uh, try to breathe, like we said, do some things to get out in nature, uh, get into the bathtub, you know, take sea salt baths, take whatever it needs to use that uh, self-care mode is really, really important. Um, want you guys to stay uh, high vibes as well. Keep your vibration high so that when, you know, things start coming in and feels, you feel the depression of the world, like I have been feeling that, to really connect with, okay, knowing it's not your stuff, this is, a, this is the world, you're feeling the consciousness of the world, especially the empaths out there, to not let it get to you, but just realize that it's not all your stuff that you're feeling and feeling the world and don't take it on, <laughs> just dissipate it, dissolve it and release it. So that's kind of my biggest message I would say. But again, I really appreciate you. And, uh, I, it was really fun. You ask great questions and I really love that. So there's nothing that you did that I felt was, you know, no, no party fouls. No, it was really fun. I really appreciate all the great questions and appreciate Raphael who had some awesome insights as well. And uh, you guys are great. I'd love to be back on here whenever you'd like to have me. Word, word. Well, guys, uh, Team Rabbit Hole, we out here, like there's other people out here doing cool shit. Like just find them, find the others. Uh, she's doing good stuff. And like I said, the puzzles of the, uh, the piece of the puzzle coming to come weirdly together. She inspired me to look more deeply into galactic influences and if you haven't checked that stuff out, do yourself a favor. You don't have to drink the whole pitcher of lemonade or whatever, but like take a sip, see if it vi uh, vibes, and see what goes from there. Raphael, everything is connected. How curt. Well, hopefully you guys enjoy yourselves, and uh, yeah, take us out on whatever music you have picked, Raphael. Thank you so much, Lightstar, for coming on. Thank, Thank you, you, Jim. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the ride. Radio Pokey, talk, talk.